to the Made for This podcast. I'm your host, Julie Turner, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I believe that each of you are created uniquely and for a purpose. On this show, I talk with women that I believe are living out their God-given purpose right in the place where they are at. My hope is that wherever life has you, whether you're in the workforce, raising young people, or both, whether you're married or single, full nest or empty nest, whatever your particular circumstance is, I hope that in listening to these women and their stories, that you will feel inspired to live confidently in your own purpose every day of your life. You will be hearing from ordinary women living ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes to make sure you catch each of these amazing stories. Today, I have the privilege of introducing you to my dear friend, Christine Anderson. Christine is a wife to her husband, Curtis, mama to four beautiful children, and she's the full-time children's director at Rock Harbor Church. I was blown away by her life and testimony. It's absolutely incredible the way God has had his hand on their life. In our conversation, she refers to God as her Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. This phrase shows up just once in the Old Testament in Genesis 22:14 as a symbolic name given to Mount Moriah by Abraham to memorialize God's incredible intercession in the sacrifice of his son Isaac by providing a ram for Abraham to offer in his place. The Andersons have also experienced firsthand God's surprising and timely provision as only he can offer. I know you will absolutely love her and her story, so without further ado, here's my interview with the lovely Christine Anderson. Well, hello, and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm sitting here with my friend Christine Anderson. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Just honored. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And we have gotten to know each other a little bit this past year Mm -hmm. um, at Rock Harbor, Mm -hmm. and I just am head over heels for all the things that you are involved in and Mm. who you are as a person. And I'm Mm -hmm. so thrilled to be able to share your story today. And I love that I've had the privilege of just kind of getting to know a little bit more about you. So tell us, speaking of, tell us about you, your family and your kids. Yeah. Well, I think first, Julie, what I would like to say is that I just am honored to be in your kitchen and part of your life. And I just am proud of you, like watching, listening, being like a loyal listener of the Julie Turner Club. (laughs) Which is so nice. (laughs) No, seriously, I'm like, wow, I tell everybody about your podcast. But it's just amazing to watch you lift people and release people and to see people like you do. It really inspires me and the way that you bring value to people's stories, I think is really a gift that oh, not everybody has. So thank so you nice. for that. That's it. You're like, you've just secured a spot. You're coming no. back. <laughs> well, I've got to say it live because, you know, I don't know, maybe I get a commission by, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> who are you sponsored by, Julie? <laughs> oh, that's but. the best. That's so nice. Well, I love it. And I've been so inspired by, really, God's just taught me so much about himself or reminded Mm -hmm. me so much about himself and Mm -hmm. his faithfulness and how it shows up so consistently through all of these guests. So it has had a surprisingly Mm -hmm. refreshing Mm -hmm. impact on my faith and my confidence in him. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so it's been a privilege for me as well. But anyway, I'm thrilled to to share your story. So tell me about, you have 
you have so many children and so, so many, many people I in know, your home. So many, but in Idaho, it doesn't feel like so many. Yeah. You know, in other states, it does. But yeah. but we have four kids, and um, our oldest, Kinsey, she's 20, and she is in Perth, Australia right wow. now, which we've chatted about how hard that is to have a child all the way on the other side of the world. Um, my son, Ethan, is 18, and he is in the Air Force. He enlisted wow. last year after graduating from high school, and then we'll be home this weekend, which is really exciting. We don't see him that much. And um, then I have a daughter, Ellie, and she's at the Meridian Medical Arts Charter. She's a sophomore, 16, and she is the life coach to her older sister. Oh. We have an artist who is my oldest daughter, and then Ellie is like the smart one that's organized <laughs> and cooks her own, you know, kale and quinoa, and oh, she's dear. pretty pretty inspiring. And then our youngest is pubescent. A little seventh grader, <laughs> thirteen, um, Gavin. We call him Gavin Curtis Porkchop. So he's he's quite the party, you know, going on. And he, we just kept having kids till we got a true redhead, is what I tell people. Oh, so that's he's so redheaded funny. like his because mom. Because you are redheaded. Yeah, for exactly. those of you that don't know, right. you. I guess you can't yeah. see me on podcast, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's... just super fun. They're awesome kids, and you know, it happens fast. We've got two adults already, and. Wow. It's just a different And all time. in. Those are big programs. So you've got one yeah. that just went all in and went overseas, mm-hmm. and then you have one that's all in in the mm-hmm. Air Force, and mm-hmm. one that's all in in high school going to extreme yeah. academic environment. Yes. And, yeah. And then you're all in. It's like an embracing life, it sounds yeah. like. Your youngest, yeah. So. He likes um, tactile sports, like anything that you can hit people and knock them over. That's his, oh, that's okay. his genre. So that's so, fun yeah. for you as a mom. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Wondering about concussions. and. <laughs> oh, yeah, sister. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> And you have a fun, incredible husband. Tell us yes. about him and what he does. Yeah, so Curtis um, is my high school sweetheart. We've been married for 23 years. It'll be 24 years this summer. And um, just an amazing man. Um, he is the life of the party, but at, he's six foot five, but as bit, as tall as he is and as much stature as he has, he's got a heart that's just even bigger. Oh, you wow. know, so just. Um, that's an amazing so person. I know. Well, I just feel like, wow, how did I get so blessed, you know, wow. often just to be so blessed with this lifelong love, you know, that just is an amazing person. So that's incredible. Yeah. 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 Well, my husband loves him. Yeah. Like, well, I they're feel like two they're, peas in a pod. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think between you and I, we have the eye roll down. Like, oh my gosh, you know? Yes. Yeah. Get when we actually filter. got to go out with you yeah. to dinner, it just cracked me up how you and I would just, they would just go on their little tangents and we would just sit and wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're over there having distinguished conversation and they're just like talking about some inappropriate movie uh-huh. or something. Yeah. Oh, and and fully appreciating the oh, yeah. what was coming from the other person. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. funny. Oh, I so know. fun. Yeah. And texting each other in church. That's that's oh, the one that cracks me up. Sorry, so guys, weird. I'm writing you I out. Know, but like, right. it's just something weird. That they just thought was particularly funny at that oh, yeah. moment. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like junior high boys, right? Totally, um, oh, so fun. That makes yeah. life fun. It so does. Fun. Yeah. It does. Well, as I mentioned, I have absolutely loved getting to know you. I think just we share such a similar heart for ministry, and then to have mm-hmm. our husbands have so many commonalities, it just felt like this natural. Like I feel like I've already known you for a long yeah. time, and yet we yeah. really haven't. It's only right. been this short time, but. Yeah. I am fascinated by your story and your journey into ministry. And mm-hmm. um, so let's just start at the beginning. And I'd love to give everybody listening just a context for 
for how you ended up where you are now, which is, we should say, the children's pastor at Rock Harbor mm-hmm. full-time, and we'll talk about that more later. Mm-hmm. But let's give people a context for just how you ended up here. How did God grow up that heart for ministry in you from such an early point in your life? Yeah, well... This time of the year is actually really special to me. We're just a week out from Easter, and I was reminded on the way over, actually just uh, 40 years ago at Easter, I was little Chrissy, a Southern little Chrissy in this army chapel, and a Sunday school teacher leaned over this enormous African-American man. He probably wasn't that big, but when you're four, people seem really big. Right. (laughs) And he, he leaned over to me and said, do you feel Jesus knocking on the door of your heart? Which is a totally weird, abstract thing to say to a little four-year-old. But it resonated with little Chrissy. And I knew that God was calling my heart to at know him four. at four. And so every Easter, I really think about that and how that altered everything. That altered my course. And here I am all these years later in ministry, serving children and that impacts me every day, knowing that these little people have the capacity to know God. And even when their bodies are small, their spirits are big, you know, and they can receive Christ. And what was his role in your life? So he was just one of the children's ministry people, just faithfully. I don't even know his name. I don't even know if he served a different day, but you know how Easter, sometimes we just recruit people off the street to come serve the kids in the street. <laughs> right. Hint, so, hint. Yeah. Right? Give like, Christina call. <laughs> yes. So other than that significance of just being able to share that moment, it just started this encounter. And of course, it's a journey, but you know that was the initial inception of that receiving of, I believe this story that they're telling me, and I want to know God. That's amazing. And so... I guess that is really how ministry started yeah. for me. Was I bet you tell that to your volunteers too. Yeah, like, I do. My whole life was altered by yes. a volunteer in kids ministry, exactly. and now the tra- and that set me on a path and a trajectory that has lasted. Yeah, this- wow. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so great. Okay, so then from there, yeah. So I um, went to college to become a teacher. My husband and I both graduated with teaching degrees. And we, like I've already said, we kind of got to know each other. We've actually known each other since the third grade. And he'll tell the story, you know, that my eyes met him, his physique in the third grade. (laughs) I mean, every time he tells it, it's more embellished, but I have to shut it down because it's totally off the wall and crazy. And the reality is we became really good friends as juniors in high school. And we're part of a Christian community that we were in a private school and we just were involved in everything and just were really good friends. And so our relationship started as friends and we both felt called to serve kids from, you know, vocationally in, and so graduated with teaching degrees and went to Northwest, used to be college, now it's Northwest University in the Seattle area. And our intention was to go back. We, we um, lived in Alaska and our intention was to go back to Alaska, where we grew up, and uh, teach like way out in the bush because yeah. it just sounded like an adventure. Well, we never made it back because we became part of a, a movement, really part of a move of God at the city church in Kirkland, Washington, and grew some really deep roots of faith. Wow. And our lives were changed by being in that atmosphere where our faith was 
just impacted at so every So what was point. that like, that environment, that church environment? Was it a church plant that they... Yeah, it was um, Pastor Wendell and Jenny Smith started a, a church out of Portland. They were in, at Portland Bible Temple for years and years and felt a call to move to Seattle, started a church, and it started tiny and just began to grow. And um, the presence of God was encountering people uh, with the message of like generosity and that God actually wants to pour out His Spirit on us to be a blessing to other people. Wow. It's not even about us. It's us being a pipeline and a conduit of His heart and His um, everything that God is, that we can actually impart that to other people. And so, That's so we had no idea how impactful the local church would be on us as you know, a young couple. And I mean, all of our kids were born and raised with a community that was our friends and became our family. And so that kind of kept us there. And I'm thankful. Like, I don't know if I could live in Alaska. My sister was there with, (laughs) and she just was like, I just shoveled a path from my, I mean, this is like, we're in April, right? And (laughs) she's texting me. I just shoveled the path from my house door to my car. Oh, for goodness And sake. I'm like, living the dream, sis. You know, I'm watching the tulips, like, mm, so sad I'm not in Alaska exactly. right now. Exactly. You know, oh, so. Um, gosh. So, yeah, so we just started from, from the inception of our marriage. We knew we were called to impact children and families, and that's always been something we've done together wow. through education. And now, you know, that's changed differently for each of us, but. So you said you were immersed in this culture of just radical love, radical generosity mm-hmm. in your yeah. church environment, mm-hmm. and then you had some really, really profound ways that God directly extended yeah. that out in your family. Do you want to tell us yes. a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, we, you know, Seattle at the in those days, Microsoft was brand new, and uh, the tech tech industry was kind of going hog wild. Seattle is a very, um, the city we lived in was very affluential. And here we were teachers with student loans and kind of asking, I remember laying on the apartment floor asking God, why did you bring us here? And why are we stuck here? And how are you, this is an expensive place to live. Right. On teacher salary. Yeah. It's brand new. Yes. And simultaneous to that, I was like, I had my little life all planned, Julie. Oh, okay. I mean, we were going <laughs> to travel, and we were we just had fun together. So I had, like, everything planned, seven years, and then we were going to decide to have children. Well, you know, that <laughs> was... Funny. Yes, that's just, I already know, because when you say those things to God, oh then it's, that's when it's like, oh, things are going to get interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're so cute with your little plan, so I'm going to bring this amazing daughter... Um, three and a half years into your marriage when you're dirt poor and you know, you have all these aspirations to be amazing. And your husband is in a deep, dark depression, wondering who he is. And you're like Miss Career Girl that can create a bulletin board like the best of them. I mean, (laughs) you know, I was like the stellar, like ready to go teacher. So God brought Kinsey and that really altered a lot of things for us. But in that process, he asked me to give up teaching and working, which was crazy. On paper, it's like, what are you thinking? And so now you're down to one teacher salary yes. in Seattle and yes. still student loans. Right. Oh, dear. Yeah, and just feeling trapped, just feeling like, what are we doing and how are we ever going to become unburied? And, you know, I know the feelings of, you know, a lot of people get ecstatic when they find out they're pregnant, but that was not my story. And I had to walk through that darkness of surrender, and it was hard. And 
And it's so, it's funny now, but it was painful then. And it felt like the wreck of a dream. And I'm even ashamed to say that because this girl is amazing and beautiful. And she changed, you know, our oldest daughter was like her, her birth, even around her birth. There's so many miracle stories and continue to be. And I think how silly was I to just think that, you know, I had the best idea on what our life should look like. And so God asked me to not work, and I knew that that was his call, and so we did. I mean, I did, we just did the crazy thing, and Julie, I have a journal I started because it was crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah. God just poured out crazy stuff to the point where like $20 bills in our egg carton. I started this what? journal. Yeah, listen to this. Okay, I have, <laughs> I have a journal that I pulled out to review kind of some of this story because you know, we forget. I don't know how it happens, but we I like, yeah, I have to do the same thing. We blame the Israelites for being so knuckleheaded, <laughs> but yet we forget God's hand and what he does and the personal little miracles he does. So I have this journal. It's in a composition book, like a 39 cent composition oh, nice. book. Well, because you oh have my gosh, to I couldn't money. afford the cute journal, Julie. No <laughs> right. way. No, I couldn't buy the cute one. Oh, that's so, so it's this ugly right. composition book. And the title of it says, look what the Lord has done, which was this really popular song in that, mo- in that movement and in that era. And it's full of story after story of how God encountered our lives. That's amazing. Not just financially, but very personally and meeting our practical needs. And he, the, his name, Jehovah Jireh, became a banner over our lives of how his provision was just so faithful. And not even because we were smart enough or because yeah. we were amazing, but just because of his sheer faithfulness. Wow. And we were just like, we just believed him. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. believed like what he said he was going to do and that if he called us to this place, he was going to have to make it work. Wow. You know? Which is so hard when you're staring down real life needs. For yeah. babies especially, you've got diapers and Oh my gosh. Yeah. Food and yeah. Yeah. Wow. But his provision often came through people and it came through the relationships that were surrounding us, which were really amazing and well, so what are some of the yeah. exciting stories that came out? And oh, I love that man. you still have that journal, by yeah. the way. I love that it was 39 cents. Yes. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. And that, even that just has to, when you pick it up, have yeah. to represent just the season of life you were in. And yeah. So what are some of the most incredible standouts during yeah. that time? So um, one story in particular, we had, you know, we have four kids. And so we had our two car seats. At this point, we had two kids. Kinsey and Ethan were born. And we had a little Ford Escort, which had pretty much been given to us and you could not fit three car seats in the back oh, for seat sure. Okay. Yeah. So these were not, these were like the car seats that were <laughs> ugly. Like they were not the cute car seats and they yeah. were the, you know, bulky and big. And so three across was not going to happen. So we had been praying with our littles, our kids, just, Hey, we need a van and we need, cause minivan, I mean, who doesn't want a minivan, <laughs> I mean, really. you know, really? So <laughs> we had been praying and our sweet little Kinsey had been praying specifically for a red van and, you know, just praying with our kids every night. And a woman at the church called me one day, I was standing in my kitchen and she said, you know, the church would, we have this van and we would like to sell it to you. Well, my heart sunk because I'm like, oh, how embarrassing. Like, what What am I going to say? You know, it was all about me. Like, yeah. how am I going to be humiliated and tell them, we don't have the money to buy a van, Yeah, you know? Come look at my 39-cent journal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And uh, do you even know our story? And, you know, and oh, so um, 
I was just sort of paralyzed by my own thoughts. And then she said, so just hang on. I need to get the finance manager on the line and he'll talk the terms to you. Oh, dear. Which is even better, you know. So he gets on the phone. His name is Brian. And he said, okay, well, you know, we've talked through it and we've decided that um, we would really like to sell this van to you for $1. Oh, you know, and at that point it felt like Ed McMahon had called and we had just won (laughs) the lottery, you know. So, oh, I love so we didn't have any details on this van, just knew we were thankful and grateful and man, God had answered prayers. Wow. So I'm standing there about three days later in my kitchen window, looking out of the window and around the corner comes this candy apple red van. I mean, they don't make many, very yeah. many minivans in yeah. that flashy candy apple red. Well, our Kinsey had prayed for a red van, oh. and God had answered her little prayer and you know, started her own faith journey in her heart that he hears and he knows. Oh, wow. And, um, like undeniably, yeah. even down to the color. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and then just how that would have impacted her faith. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a Pontiac Transport. You know, you know those kind <laughs> with the big nose and boxy, but I'm telling you, so comfortable. And we had so many adventures in that band. And, That's you know, amazing. Yeah, it was good. And they just, God just said, I want you to give them Yeah, the Yeah, well, someone had donated it to the church. And, um, you know, through that generosity, they had found our need and wow. and met us there and um it that's was, incredible yeah was, I love that it was red that's yeah, fantastic I and I didn't even remember that until you know it came around the corner and I had remembered like because when I thought red van I just thought burgundy or yeah. like but you know nope that's amazing yeah it was cool that's so great yes so cool does she still talk about that yeah yeah, she does. As like a launching point of going, hey, we have a really personal God here. Yeah. He heard me ask for red. Yeah, and in fact, the journal that I began, part of the reason I did was because I wanted to memorialize the the moments for our kids. Yeah. Because I knew that, you know, in, just in daily life, you don't art- sit around and articulate like I think they did in past cultures of, let me tell you the stories of God's faithfulness. And so we have been able to go back and read through and even, you know, I've been reviewing some of them and like, wow, I forgot about that. And That's so great. Now to see where my kids are and how God began to write that, those little faith journeys on their heart at an early age is pretty yeah. impactful. So what did that teach so, you about God at that time? Like yeah. you're in the middle of that and you're seeing these dramatic mm-hmm. ways that he's intervening and these yeah. huge needs that are being met that mm-hmm. could only have been met by him. Mm-hmm. How did that start to shape even your ministry life and... Yeah, I think that it taught us to free fall. And, you know, naturally, I'm more of a risk taker than my husband is. He is a slower processor. And so I think God um, gives you personality bents that way. And so that ability to just, I'm just going to believe God, A, because it's fun, B, because I've given up on my own sweet little plan because it has never panned out well. And his plan is always bigger than what I could dream but also just realizing that it really has nothing to do with our ability or our talent or us contriving anything. It really is all about obedience and believing God and just being willing, you know. Yeah. And so who can't do that? Well, everybody qualifies yeah. for that, you know. And you see it all throughout the Bible. The people that God chose were the unlikely right. and the unqualified and just the faithfulness that yeah. he asks is 
you know? Well, and I just love that he asked you something so hard and seemingly Mm -hmm. maybe even almost felt irresponsible Mm -hmm. for you to quit your teaching job in this big city life with loans and all the things and then added expenses. You're already having Mm -hmm. trouble and then you're going to bring in more Mm -hmm. expense with through children and exactly. And yet you knew. Mm -hmm. So you said yes. And then you just got to see him just dump his favor all over your situation. And yeah, well, and the story gets better because we um, had this housing crisis, you know, we're in an apartment and housing was just crazy expensive in Seattle and not seeing the end of that. And we had a couple of protests in our church that were moving from a town home into a, they were building a big home and they saw us as people that were investing our lives in public education at the time. And they just got in a crazy wild hair, Julie. <laughs> To approach us about buying their home, well, that was embarrassing too Again, because yeah. it's like, you really want to see like what we qualify for, <laughs> which was nothing, which oh, was shoot. humiliating, yeah. but it's a very long story. But through a series of miracles, we were pretty much given a house. And in that miracle, they actually ended up paying so that we could qualify for a mortgage. They oh. had to pay off our student loans. What? Yeah. So that we could even qualify to have a mortgage. And there's so many amazing things. And how did you know them at the time? So they were part of our church and we were part of a young marrieds group. And I mean, we just had amazing times when we would hang out and, you know, our kids would go to bed and we would just stay up and connect through relationship and friendship. And they just, they just saw a need and God was blessing them, but they were risky. They were part of just that I'm, we're gonna we're gonna do this for this family, wow. and it was so much bigger than a house, even because which it always is with God. It's not about the stuff, yeah. you know. It's never about the stuff. It's about the people and the relationships. So, in this huge process, which actually, like on paper, if you were to calculate it all out, was about a hundred thousand dollar gift wow. to get us into this home and every detail that it took. But we were able to leverage the equity in the home to then Curtis was able to get his master's degree. And then he was able to get his principal certification, which was thousands of dollars. We leveraged the equity to be able to do that, which then altered our entire trajectory because he was then able to make a salary that was, you know, was able to support our family. Wow. Whereas a teacher's salary, we were just never going to be able to, to make the, you know, to turn the corner. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So then again, they just what God did through their obedience. They exactly. hear, they hear God's voice whispering mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's just, you know, give mm-hmm. these people $100,000 to put toward home equity. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Like yeah. that's a big ask on God's part. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and yet then he provided for them through that mm-hmm. whole thing and then mm-hmm. used it to completely open doors for your family. Yeah. That were previously unavailable. Yeah, and the banks wouldn't even, they were like, wait a minute, what is going on? Like, right. they were suspicious when the whole deal went down. So this family had to write this letter, which we still have, which is was also very impactful because it basically said, we just believe in these people. We believe they're going to change the world. You know, oh I mean, goodness. their belief in us, and it really has inspired us and um, humbled us, but made us, made us want to turn around and do the same, you know, right. like... We never know the little, the little or the big or the 
the crazy thing that we think is so illogical, how it can really alter someone's complete destiny and oh my goodness. and make things better for them. And so, well, and just the humility to receive, I feel oh like man. I'm such a bad receiver. Yeah. I love to give and mm-hmm. I love to serve and mm-hmm. I love to pour out, but to receive and ask for help and receive that yeah. on small levels, even just totally. somebody offered to bring me dinner this week that I probably legitimately should have said, mm-hmm. you know what, that would be awesome. And mm-hmm. I, I went, no, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad at that. Yeah. I'm so bad at that. And so to, that's a big receive totally. that you allowed. Yes. God's favor to come yeah. through for you. And yeah, that's and so good because yeah. we need to, I'm not saying that as if I, I, I am saying that as an apology. I should not be that way. Mm-hmm. I should be a better receiver of the gifts that God sends my way. Yeah. And if you hadn't, if you had been saying, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to do this. We're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. would have been a totally different story mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Oral Roberts came to our church and visited and spoke a message about that exact thing that changed everything for us. And it was a message about giving and receiving and the process of breathing in and breathing out. And if we only breathe out, we die. Oh gosh. (laughs) And if we only breathe in, we die. And that we are meant to both give and receive. And it takes humility to have a posture of receiving. And here's the thing that changed for us in receiving. When you get a hold of the fact that you are not receiving for yourself, but you are receiving because you want to be that pipeline and you want to be, you want to turn around. And in your case, like the meal would give you sustenance to then give life and energy to the people around you. Yeah. But you not receiving it. And this is not me judging yeah. you. <laughs> no, I this know. is me just I'm like judging myself. Exploring so. <laughs> this whole concept because I mean, even though this amazing thing happened in our life, I still wrestle with it, you know, and I still have to remind myself that. When we say no to receiving gifts from God, we're really taking a prideful posture because we're not thinking about the other people that are waiting for us. They're waiting to receive that miracle through us. But when we put ourselves in the place of, you know, it's not even about us. Let's get ourselves out of the way. And let's just open our arms to Christ and let him just watch and see what he will bring to us. Then that's radical. I mean, that's life altering. He will bring crazy stuff. And then we're just like giving it away, giving yeah. it away. Anything we have, we just can give give away because we know the next thing is coming wow. and he's got it. And I love that imagery because that just creates almost then it, yeah, you don't want to be the one that's putting the, that's stopping that airflow of going in and out. Like you don't want to be the one that's. Yeah. Constipated. Yeah. No, you definitely don't <laughs> okay. want to be the. That's con- not the word that was coming to my mind, but yeah, that works. Hey, that's a word Curtis and Michael would have brought up on this podcast, have, yeah. right? And then we would be off on oh, a tangent. Yeah, totally. So. We're, we would be in poop land really yeah. quick. So, you know, edit that if you need to, but <laughs> there you go. Hey, I that's deal with fantastic. children, so yeah. it's just yeah. like part of me. Yes. There we go. To sum up, we don't want to be constipated in our No constipated Christians. I mean, they're not (laughs) pretty. The alliteration. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you can even see it on people's face. You start looking for them and you'll find them. Like people that are not able to receive are just living half of the, even if they're generous people, you're living half of the journey of faith because it's in the receiving that builds your capacity to even give well, now bigger. I'm just convicted. Okay, well that was <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, this it's is so terrible. good. No. I'm a guest. I shouldn't be no, bringing so conviction. Good. No, I'm the one that ratted my own self out. I realize that this is something that I am perpetually 
facing down that I have to work on in my life because you're right. It's such a joy mm-hmm. to give. And so when you're not allowing, if somebody, if I was to offer something and, and they won't receive, then I'm deprived of that joy. And, mm-hmm. and then by me not receiving, I'm, you know, I just, yeah. you're so right. Yeah. That's inspiring. Actually, I shouldn't have used the word convicting. Inspiring. Yeah, well, well I shouldn't that. have used the word constipation. So, girl, we're even. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> I'm living half, half of my faith. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, this is awesome. Okay, so all of that has the, had a dramatic impact on just mm-hmm. your ability to, to look for God in, in mm-hmm. all things and, mm-hmm. and gave you this huge heart for again, being that conduit of his power mm-hmm. pouring out, which is such a amazing, I can't wrap my head around that, that he would choose to use us. Mm, I know. It's crazy to it me. It is crazy. Yeah. That we even get to be invited in to yeah. what he's doing because he doesn't really need us, but no. yet he allows us right. to do that. He allowed those people to pour into your life with a home and he allowed mm-hmm. the church to give you a dollar van. Right? <laughs> yes. It's amazing. And so now you're you're all caught up in that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you then feel like you are supposed to transition to do something different, which kind of brought you from Seattle to here. So how about we talk about that transition? Yeah. So 20 years of this awesome life in Seattle, not, you know, not unicorns and rainbows every day, but (laughs) a miraculous season of our life truly where God was growing our faith and growing, um, growing us in the word, you know, it wasn't just like this, crazy faith, prosperity doctrine. You know, it wasn't yeah. that. I don't want to paint it out to be that. It was very word-centered and um, connected to the Bible and connected to a posture of humility and worship. And so very balanced, not perfect, but a balanced community. So 20 years of that, I mean, you can imagine our roots were down deep. People were like family that were, you know, these people were lifelong, our lifelong friends continue to be. Well, and you had all your babies there. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like sitting in the nursing mother's room, right? Talk about bonding. You bond with people that way. Like, (laughs) oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even go there with that. But (laughs) anyways, um, we began to be agitated about five years ago. Gosh, just feeling like there was more that God had for us. And We had dear friends here that we would come back and forth and visit because there was sunshine in Boise and rain all the time in Seattle. So (laughs) we would find sunshine in Boise. And the very last time we drove back over the mountains, it was so brown in Boise and just ugly. And it was so green in Seattle. And I just said, I just made this dumb statement. I could (laughs) never live in Boise. Well, here we are, right? Because that's just Because again, when you say the plans, then... yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we began this crazy journey where God just confirmed again and again that we were supposed to be in Boise. And um, our friends had this vision to build a nonprofit for marriages and families. And we had been part of their heart for that. And that just matched who we were and what we were about. And then everything else just really aligned. And it really needed to be that way because we were saying goodbye to a lot and taking a big risk again. And we're finally kind of financially stable. Curtis had been a principal for a while, and we had begun to get traction in our life and move away from you know some of those early stories. That's a huge and, deal. Yeah. yeah. So and our, your kids. I oh mean, I'm man. sure they were all plugged into their lives. They and, were, and that was a huge factor. We didn't want to move without them being fully on board. And so even the miracle that they were like, yeah, we want to go, and they were all in from the day one, that was to us a huge indicator. Wow. So, um, cause you, they would have been, some of them would have been high school. Yeah. Kinsey was just starting her freshman okay. year. Wow. So yeah. So a really pivotal time to move. Yeah. 
and everything was so like the green light was on. Like there, it was undeniable that we were coming here. So we moved, and as soon as we got here, it was like all hell broke loose. Oh. I mean, 2011, we had a year of, you know, those grief lists of all the areas that you could experience grief. Well, every area was hit for us. We we had new jobs. I was teaching high school. Curtis was in a district that was completely a different cultural dynamic. Um, so there was some, like an identity crisis. We had gone from being known and, you know, being trusted and loved in a community when you have all that history to a new community where nobody knew us. Nobody knew who we were, or what we were about, or trusted our, you know, it was just completely that process of rebuilding relationships, which is hard work. Right. Um, 40% less income, you know, which oh. is always fun. My beloved dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh. Um, just a healthy man all of his life, lived an ama- has had lived an amazing life, and we walked through cancer and losing him. Oh, gosh. I, and were they back in Seattle? They lived in Hawaii. Oh, oh And so okay. that made it even more challenging because, oh, um, you know, traveling back and forth and trying to teach high school and all of that. I had to have a full hysterectomy in oh. a hospital that I didn't know any of the doctors or anything. Just, hey, let's do this in the middle of the school year, mind you. Which because was, health related. Like yes. Like you had some yes. significant needs there. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. So had to go through that. Um, Curtis, his parents that had been married for, gosh, I think 38 years, they decided to get a divorce, oh. which I don't think divorce is easy as a child, but it sure isn't easy as an adult either. I don't wow. think it ever gets easy. So we walked through that. Um, our kids, hey, our kids were going through puberty. <laughs> Oh I mean, gosh. it just gets better, Julie. So every area... Well, you probably felt like you were oh <laughs> after the gosh. hysterectomy. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. So know, all seriously. of the things happening at the same time. Yeah. And simultaneous to that, the dream and the vision that we initially came for of building this nonprofit was really kind of crumbling, unbeen- you know, like unbeknownst to us. It just... We just knew it was, we were starting to see this is not going to work out like we thought it was going to. Oh. And so in the middle of all that hard and that brokenness, there's always our redeeming God who has a plan in it. And we would be driving by Rocky Mountain High School and we'd see these Rock Harbor flags. What in the world is Rock Harbor? And the parking lot just kept growing and there was more cars. And we always look for restaurants that have a lot of cars. Oh, right. And so Because you know they're going to be <laughs> yeah. good, right? If they don't have any cars, you just turn around and don't go to them. <laughs> so we kind of were like, you know, that church we've been driving by, because we had church shopped. And when you've gone to a really good church, it's hard to find a good church. So we had tried all these different churches, and that was exhausting. So finally, we're like, why are we driving by this church? Let's just try it. You know, it doesn't hurt oh, us to just goodness. try it. So we walk in, and... The, that day they were having like a, they call it Rock Harbor is where they describe the vision and the heart. And we just kind of left like, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that aligns with everything we're about. And it really, we had no idea, but it really became Rock Harbor is like a safe harbor, a place where people can just be yeah. safe to grow. And pastors, Keith and Doug, they knew kind of our story and they provided like, Hey, you're good. We're not going to, we're not going to ask you to serve and we're not going to, you know, they just kind of let us be. Yeah. And we were able to sort of catch our breath and be in an authentic community that was stripped of 
legalism and religion. And it would just became a really great oasis for us yeah. and from the get-go. And healing. Totally. So before we dive into then how you've become so involved there, yeah. um, the, that that I'm really intrigued by the desert season yeah. because yeah. you had, it's just a whole different way that God was working in your life mm-hmm. from that's such a different story than the, I want you to quit teaching and totally. now I'm going to give you a car and right. a house. It's just right. a very different response yes. to obedience right. than you had had previously. Mm-hmm. What was that like for your faith at that time? Yeah. I think in that process, because faith is like a muscle, you know, the more you exercise it, it grows. And so faith to believe that God had us and like, Taking a 40% salary loss, that was not that difficult, honestly, just because we had crazy stuff happen. Like I knew God could do whatever he needed to do. And even going back to being hungry and starving or whatever, I just knew that I knew he had me because he he has been Jehovah Jireh. The challenging parts to believe were for relational things and for loss of a dream. Like God, you said... And you brought us here, and I can't see it, and I don't even know, you know, who I am. And getting back to look, keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, and not on all of the waves, and really getting simple, and wow. just it's just about me and Jesus. And if everything else was stripped away, and it was down to no identity, no call, no career, then would I be okay with just Jesus? Yeah. And that was a good process for me because I recognized, you know, actually I would, but I had to embrace that and wrestle with it and work through, you know, the betrayal and the rejection and the, that feeling of disappointment yeah. and that feeling of what if, and did we just mess up our whole family, yeah. bringing them here and just getting down to that real, the ash heap of right. pain and grief and letting myself feel it. And turning it over to Christ, yeah, time and time again. Well, and I don't know if you're if it was, was like this for you, but for me, I, about a year and a half ago, I wrote something similar in a blog post on identity because mm-hmm. we felt that kind of God saying to us the same thing: if I stripped it all away, mm-hmm. h- how you doing? Yeah, and and you realize things that you've accidentally let take his place Mm -hmm. without even knowing it Mm -hmm. so that your church family does become that sense of security and identity. Yeah. Maybe even trying to compete with God and you didn't know it totally because you would never choose that cognitively, Mm -hmm. but it just happens. And so then he goes, so how Mm -hmm. about if that's not there? Mm -hmm. How about that? Mm -hmm. How about if I face you with a health crisis in your family Mm -hmm. or whatever, these things that you just realize, gosh, Mm -hmm. My security does not lie in those things, right. and yeah. and the, and ultimately, that's incredibly freeing, mm-hmm. but painful mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah. Painful to have to hand all that over one yep. by one on yeah. this itemized list. Yeah, it is, and we had to die to you know being about marriage and family. That kind of puts pressure on your kids that we had no idea we were doing. We didn't mean to do that, but. You know, we were, Curtis and I were teaching parenting classes. Oh, we right. had toddlers and it was ridiculous. Like, I can't even believe they let <laughs> us do that. Like right. 101 ways to be an amazing parent. Well, we have a three-year-old, you know, and sitting where oh, I sit dear. now, it's like who in their right mind would have let us do that? But, you know, God used that. But see, you get so ambitious and you start feeling like 
you have all these goals and I mean, I don't know if anybody else is like that, but that's how I feel. Like sometimes I get so purpose driven and (laughs) intentional living, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And it becomes like this idol of you are being self-made. Like you are creating even good things, like even ministry things or church things can become like this aspiration and this ambition and it really can disappear in a moment's notice. And really at the end of the day, it's about you and Jesus and how you relate to the people in your life and how you care for them and are Christ to them. And And is he enough ultimately? Exactly. Strip it all away. Exactly. You and me, is it enough? Yeah. And that's so good. Big questions that need to be answered and Mm. we can say definitively, yes, you're enough when things are great and harvest is plenty. And then when things are stripped away, it does make you look at that in a whole new way. Totally. And and then you find out he is enough. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In a way that you never even understood Mm -hmm. before. Exactly. Um, Okay. So you've come to Rock Harbor, which I love that it it is that safe Harbor and and we've experienced that there too. Mm -hmm. And then you heal up a bit Mm -hmm. and start to find your people. Mm -hmm. And so then how did that what was the transition then into the, mm-hmm. now you're the full-time children's pastor. Oh gosh, yeah. I ran from ministry. I Not that I had bad experiences because we were lay pastors at our previous church. We were, you know, care pastors is what they call them. So we've been in the ministry for a long time, but I just kind of had this concept of, oh my gosh, I know what church life looks like. And, you know, just some of these stereotypes that weren't right. It just was my perspective. And so that was the last thing that I wanted to do was be involved in a church and on staff at a church. And so um, my husband began to just be like, you know, you would really fit that role. They needed a preschool coordinator, and I love preschool kids. They're, yeah. they're just awesome. They're the best. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so I just was like, oh, my gosh, that's the last thing I want to do. Nope. I basically told my husband no. You know, like, no, you're, no. And he was like, you need to approach them with your resume and, like, go in there. Well, that is so not me. Like, I'm not going to go in and... Pick me, pick I'm me. amazing. <laughs> Would you please choose me? Right. Like, no, that's so tacky. That's not cool. And not, not only that, but I don't want to work at a church. So it was this long process, and finally I just had this moment of, you know, I always tell people that I'm talking with, like, do the last thing God asked you to do. Well, sometimes God uses people to ask you to do something. And here's my husband who is not that way. He's not pushy. He's not a man like that that just is demanding in any way. And so he's telling me, you need to do this. So you're like, I better take note. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you are saying no to God. Like you, not that he's God, but you know, it was like, why are you not even willing to do this? Even if it's crazy, why are you not willing to, to just do it? So finally I was like, okay. So I just threw my name in the hat kind of thing. And you know, started as a part-time preschool coordinator and loved it and had amazing, I mean, our staff is so amazing. They're my best, best people in my life. They're just, it's just a fun place to be. And so Scott Nolan. So happy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just the real deal. Like what you see is what you get, you know, and I love that. But Scott Nolan had, had been the children's director and he had just done an amazing job setting up awesome things and had, yeah, he was, yeah. So he was just rocking it from the get-go of the church, like in it and called to it and really set things up well. And so we were working together and then he felt a call to middle school. Yeah. And his life was changed as a middle school student and had always just had a heart for those kids and we needed that. And so he moved into middle school and then he just approached me one day and was like, hey, have you ever thought about this? And it was like, you know what? The passion of, of serving families was just growing in my heart at that time. Yeah. 
And it just happened. And there I was like, what? I didn't want to ever be doing this. That's amazing. That's sort of similar to what Julie Wilhite, her uh-huh. story too. Yes. I mean, I know you guys are friends and oh, man. similar to, of the teaching background. Yes. Love kids, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be a teacher by golly. And right. yeah, I'm going to work for a church. No. Furthermore. Totally. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, Julie is my soul sister. I yeah. love that girl. She's kept me alive more than once. So yeah, well, she she's adores a great you friend. Also. Yeah. I could see how you guys would be fast Yeah. Friends we have a lot all. of fun together. Yeah. So I don't see her enough, but. So favorite part of your job then? Okay. I love well, hearing you talk about kids. I know. I just, it's, I just love my job so much. And yeah, the, the thing that's really been cool most recently is watching the word of God work in kids' lives. So this generation is growing up in a information saturated culture, right? Yeah. I mean, we can Google anything. Kids go to Wikipedia as an English teacher. I was yeah. like, just like, what? You're, you're quoting Wikipedia. Like, do you know that's not... <laughs> like legit <laughs> to use the correct English term yeah. and they can ask Siri for any answer. Right. So that's a challenging dynamic, especially like now watching the news. Do we even know what the news is? Is that accurate? Like I think when we were kids, like we, it was more, I don't know. So we have this whole dynamic of information saturation. So what actually is truth? Well, I've watched this powerful dynamic of from the littlest to the elementary kid when truth encounters their heart, it is almost like this alignment happens Mm -hmm. and they recognize it and it resonates with them and they're able to take it in and just know, like know in their knower that it is truth. And that makes sense to me as I've looked at Genesis 127, where it says that we are created in the image of God, like his imprint his fingerprint is on us, and that is to be in relationship with us, not to become gods, but to bear his image. And I'm talking about all kids. Yeah. I'm talking about the squirrely teenager and the crying baby and the children that are far off and look forgotten. The image of God is on everyone. Wow. And so when that truth that is timeless, which is Jesus, who is Jesus, the Word made flesh, when that truth encounters hearts, it does something. And it gives me hope because you kind of go, how are kids going to even know what's right and what's wrong? Right. Well, I'm telling you, they will. And they That's do. Amazing. And God uses his word to, to impact this generation, just like he has every single generation. And I think they're even more hungry uh, now, right. For truth in the midst of all the fray. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like sort it all out. Like it's confusing. Give us something that really works. Well, and like you said, that resonates with their soul. Yeah. I love that you're connecting dots to what is already in them and you're just giving them an understanding for what that mm-hmm. is that God already put in their heart. That's incredible. And for you, mm-hmm. that has to be so motivating. Yeah. To keep is. doing what you're doing when you can mm-hmm. see them mm-hmm. have that aha moment of, hey, this thing that, that I have deep in my bones, mm-hmm. I now have words for. Exactly. Yeah. That's it incredible. Is. It's really, really challenging and really exciting at the same time. So have what's one of the most exciting stories along those lines of, of really seeing? Yeah. Well, I think um, what's cool is when I hear the stories of children that are waking up on Sunday morning and like, waking their parents up because church historically has not been a like exciting place for kids. Right. I mean, some of us grew up in really boring hours of, you know, drudgery. 
And so that's really fun to me to see that, which really in our case is supernatural because we're portable. Right. We don't meet in an amazing space. We meet in a high school that's not ideal for kids, but somehow exactly the truth that we we're just talking about is connecting with kids, but also we have these amazing small group leaders that are committed to be in relationship with kids to help them grow in authentic faith. And these kids know that people care about them and they belong. When they walk into that room, they belong there. I had a child, um, his mom sent me an email and he was fourth grade and she said, he just out of the blue said, this is a fourth grader. "Um, My favorite place to be is home. My second favorite place to be is Rock Harbor, oh my which gosh. I'm going, okay, we seriously have nothing glamorous about what well, I know. I wish people could see what you create from a portable situation. I mean, you create these little mini environments that are amazing, but yet it is still a high school. And Yeah, but they're, oh. really, they're really not that amazing. I think what is amazing is that God, God works and yeah. he encounters kids. And when he does... There's nothing in the world like it, you know? Okay, that is the best. I'm so glad she took the time to send you that feedback. Yeah, I mean, that, Mm -hmm. because church work is amazing. It's also Mm -hmm. really hard. So that has to just be like, okay, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. um, Speaking of that, church work is hard. How do you, what advice do you have for anybody that's just in the trenches? Because like you just described through even the course of your whole life, there's not just this arc toward all rosy happy that mm-hmm. just continuously goes on in our faith. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of ups and downs and, and dry seasons mm-hmm. and all of that. And ministry is challenging. And how do you, what's some advice for just powering through that or letting God yeah. continue to use you? Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about soul care right now. I think that's kind of a, a trendy word, but it's a very impactful word because the reality is ministry is 24-7. It never yeah. stops, and the needs are always there. And so for me, the tension of balancing self-care and then balancing the needs of my family and keeping the discipleship of my own children and of my own heart yeah. as a priority is very difficult, and I don't always nail it for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that is one of the biggest challenges for well, me. Well, because you want them to love church. Yeah. And yeah. you don't want to, church to be what stole mom's mm-hmm. time. Or, exactly. That would be mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you started to say soul care. So mm-hmm. in the midst of that, just taking yeah. time out for... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that looks different for other people, you know. And just this this week, we had a had a team meeting with our, our team, and we were talking about Sabbath and the concept of Sabbath. And sometimes we, like, want to get away on this mountain experience and have sit in silence, you know, and meditate. Well, okay, that's great, but the reality is Sunday's coming and there's going to be 500 children that we're going to be serving. And if that work is not holy and we're not finding Sabbath and sanctuary and making sacred space within that work, then we're missing the whole point, you know? And so I feel like in the past I've bought into this, it's got to be extreme. You know, I've got to be on a beach in Maui somewhere. Oh, that sounds really good right now. <laughs> I was going to oh, say that. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with I that. should not have said that. That just got me like drinking pina coladas and all kinds of places. But, you know, sometimes we want that extreme and feel like we, we pursue that. Yeah. When God, sometimes we have these moments of silent. And what do we do? We fill them with Netflix. Yeah. We fill them with shopping. We fill them with, I don't know, you name your thing, whatever. We all have our things. And yet sometimes those are a calling of our heart to Sabbath, to come away with me, 
sit in my presence and be still and just listen. And so that's kind of where I'm living right now is in that challenge of if I am not paying attention to my own soul and my own needs, then nobody else will. Yeah. And it's not anybody's fault. Sometimes you feel like, oh, people are just using and abusing me. Well, no, (laughs) you know, you you can't. I think women are the most guilty of that. Yeah. Okay, so I have two questions now related to all of that. I want to ask you a little bit more about your kids who have gone on to really love ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, though, what does that look like for you then, your soul care right now, especially? Because one of the things I want to communicate on this podcast as we talk about living in our purpose Mm -hmm. is I don't feel like we can have a chance at that unless we are anchored in Mm -hmm. knowing who God is. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to know him is through his word. It's his spoken word to us, breathed out Mm -hmm. on a page Mm -hmm. for our benefit and growth. Mm -hmm. And to know him, what does that look like then for you as you find that soul care? Yeah. Well, I think that's exactly a critical piece is the word of God and the thing about a woman's life is it's lived in seasons, and maybe it's the same for a man, but I'm not a man, so I don't, I don't want to make that judgment. <laughs> but I've just realized, you know, in my 40s that um, you have to surrender to the season, and the Word of God really is a life manual, but even bigger than that, it's a breathing in and a breathing out. It's a receiving from the Word of God so you're able to give out, and it's a living book. It's living and active. Yeah. And so that's become very real to me, like in my season that I'm in right now. But as a mom with toddlers, um, keeping the word, I would just put it on the kitchen counter Uh, and I would take it like medicine. I had this guilt of like, I should be reading six chapters a day and I could never (laughs) complete a one-year Bible plan. Forget it. Yeah. So I would just, this was before F's. So I just have my Bible there and I would like, my kids are going crazy. Okay, I need a Psalm. And I would just read a Psalm. And that really worked for me in that season. And then I went through a season where my kids were preschool age and I would get out of my yoga pants and go to Bible study (laughs) and let somebody else that had um, studied the word, let them spoon feed me. And I would just sit there and it was like an injection of the word of God. Just letting it wash over you and refresh you. Totally. And it would sustain me through the rest of the week. And then I go back next week and get renewed, you know? And so then, um, you know, now, right now, currently I am like on fire. Like I cannot get enough of the word and I'm like going all geeky. It's kind of scary. Like (laughs) I literally, (laughs) seriously, like I literally want to learn Greek and Hebrew and I have this whole new revelation. I think I used to read the Bible, like very, very word for word, like, and a bunch of, I've always been like into the parallel Bible. Remember that? And yeah, like, yeah. so now yeah. you have the app and you can just like do yeah. 62,000 versions of the same word mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm really kind of geeking out in that arena, but here's the twist on it. The twist is as I've encountered Jesus and the theme of redemption and the whole point of why he came and going back to the image of God and the garden of Eden and the original intent. And when I've read when I read the Bible now with this whole redemption theme, through that lens, yes, yeah. it is like changing everything about it. Wow! And then putting that into culture and just where I'm at, and and wanting to so longing to be part of moving their ball of redemption down the court, as tacky yeah. as that sounds, but you know, doing my part in my space and time to participate in the redemption process of what God has. That's so exciting. Cause really the, the whole, the whole narrative of the Bible woven through mm-hmm. is 
his redemption. Mm-hmm. And I, I just listened to, because I know you're a podcast girl. Have you ever listened to Christy Knuckles, Glorious in the mm-hmm. Mundane? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like head over heels in love with mm-hmm. her now. I just feel like we are best friends and she doesn't know it. But <laughs> her last one, she talked about how mm-hmm. when you're confronted with the rescue that we have been given, mm-hmm. we've been given this lifeline through his yeah. redemption. And mm-hmm. then he invites us to be a part of the rescue right. of others. Like he's allowing us to then speak that out and... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it really does change mm-hmm. the way you look at the world and because mm-hmm. what an exciting privilege to be right. able to share yeah. that rescue that he's offering mm-hmm. to everyone. And so as you, pr- the practical yeah. tools of like the, cause I use that term too, geeking out on all yeah. of those things. Yes. What is it? What are those for you? Like, what do you use to help you oh, give gosh. that insight of the, yeah. Well, I really right now am challenging myself to listen to divergent viewpoints. Okay. And so you had asked me about technology tools, and I don't really, uh, you know, I am a podcast listener, and I, I just feel this call and this safety, like it's okay. Like you can listen to divergent views, yeah. and you know who you are in Christ. You don't have yeah. to worry about, oh, I'm going to be deceived. Nope. I know who my God is. You know, I have relationships, and I have the word, and... But I feel an importance to just kind of ex- stretch myself, yeah. you know, in a healthy way, not like getting weird and, you know, whatever, but with boundaries, but just to be listening to perspectives, different right. perspectives, yeah. perspectives that I wouldn't have let in before. Yeah. And it's good. It's yeah. healthy. And it makes me think. Right. And then I have to dig in to study. And so... Figure out what you believe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it gives you insight and makes you more relatable too. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. if we don't do that, if we're too afraid to read something that may be even a hint over off of the yes. conservative side, right. then you know we've somehow we're straying. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we have to be relatable and mm-hmm. we have to be accessible to totally. other people and we have to be open minded and mm-hmm. and in order to even be heard to earn the right to be heard. Totally. Totally. And you're so good at this. Like I love, you're very empathetic. Like you have an ability to put yourself in people's Mm -hmm. shoes. And I love that about you. And that's an area that like on those tests, I've always scored low. I need to take a new one. Well, I need to take a new one because I so have hated that about myself for years. And I think that God's grown that. Well, you know, in me, but because not having known you through all of the seasons, I would have never classified you as anything other than extremely empathetic. Well, I'm pretty pragmatic and that gets me in trouble, but, but learning empathy, I think only comes from being willing to go there with people. Yeah. And in the past, I think I put up walls and just kind of like, really it's pride of just, I have a corner on this and this is what I believe. And this is what I, and belief is one of my, um, strength finders, you know, it's one of my first ones. And so I have to battle like you know what, this isn't about what I believe. This is about getting into people's shoes and feeling what they feel and being in their world and identifying with them. And so that takes taking in a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I just get on these tangents. Yeah, you know, find and... a topic that interests you. That's so great. I yeah. love that. Because yeah. you're right, there's just so much out there and I there's know. no end to the depth of the word. That's so what true. is crazy to me. These brilliant scholars are uh-huh. still uncovering new insights. And Yeah, Jewish culture describes it as the 70 faces of the Torah and like the word is like a gemstone. Yeah. And that that analogy has been so powerful to me because it resonates like a gemstone. You turn it in light and you see like the prisms hit in different ways and wow. that our God is so unsearchable. And I think I used to know him as like this fixed God. Like I think uh, sometimes we frame God, even for kids, we frame him as like 
this guy in heaven with a gray beard and this white robe, and he's out there, and yeah. he's untouchable, and he's amazing, and he's holy, and you're not. And <laughs> yeah, you by know, the way, <laughs> and the way kids now are interacting with a living God who is unsearchable, but you want to know about him because yeah. he's the same, but yet you're not. You're changing, and you're growing, and you're learning more about him, and so it's becoming incredibly, um, like. I have just this growing hunger. Yeah. And well, it does. It, it just perpetuates itself because yes. the more you start to know and you realize there's no end to this depth, the more curious you become and the more exactly. you want to dive in and know more. Yeah. And, Taste yeah. and see that the Lord is good. And then he'll make it, he'll make you really hungry. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. For his goodness. So yeah. it's kind of cool. Very cool. But, okay. So then, um, your kids, yeah. you, you know, because it is, a, that is a real legitimate concern. My husband grew up a PK and I know mm-hmm. it is, it's challenging to figure out how to make ministry life mm-hmm. feel inviting and yeah. desirable when it is mm-hmm. all consuming. So mm-hmm. you have these kids that are, mm-hmm. like we said, all in, you have a daughter mm-hmm. that's off serving and mm-hmm. I mean, faith is embedded in their whole way of life. Mm-hmm. What are some tips for parents on, I mean, I know yeah. at the end of the day, God's the one that changes mm-hmm. their hearts and he has their hearts. So there is no formula and mm-hmm. I'm not implying that there is, nor would you say there is. However, what tools just to, mm-hmm. to try to give them that sense mm-hmm. of desire to serve? Yeah. What are some tips for that? Yeah. Well, I think I used to buy into the lie that if I did X, Y, Z, I would produce this yeah, perfect right. Christian. No. Yep. But seriously, I started our, our parenting journey. That was really my frame of mind, yeah. but I mean, that's And that's just, so much pressure. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and that, no, yeah. that does not work. And darn it. I mean, I wish that that was oh, true. kind darn of. It. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? But truly, it's been the grace of God, and I don't mean that in any trite way, but I think kids will do what you do, and that can sound really humbling and scary, but, you know, Curtis and I have lived in community, and we've lived authentically. Like, we've lived out loud in our home. Who we are in our home is who we are at church and sometimes that's gotten us into trouble or judged or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think that our kids, I'm watching my adult children right now and that's what they're doing. They're finding community. And if you think about it, like if you don't go to church and expect your kids are going to do that, they're not. If you don't find community and learn how it, what it is to get messy in people's lives, your kids aren't going to know what how that looks like. Yeah. And where are you going to find community? You're going to go to the YMCA. You're going to join a gym. You're going to go sit at a bar. You're going to join a social gardening club. I mean, what better way than in the, the local church yeah. to find community? And layered with that is serving. And that's the best way to build community. When you work shoulder to shoulder with people towards a common goal, you build amazing, incredible relationships. Wow. Because you're you're focused on... God's mission and where he's going. And um, so I think those two things, I'm seeing those themes show up in my kids organically. Honestly, it's not anything that we set out to do or had this amazing wisdom to do. We just, like last night, I had, you know, girls at my house and my husband and son were upstairs. They just know the drill. (laughs) This morning, my husband was up at the crack of dawn meeting breakfast. He's done this, you know, for 23 years. My kids have watched their dad leave and go study the word. So it's just normal, normal life. Yeah, yeah, it's just normal to them, and they don't know any different, you yeah. know. So I'm watching my son pursue relationship that way, and I'm watching my daughter Kinsey be part of a spiritual community because 
that's their norm, right. you know? That's so good. My two younger ones that are at home, they serve alongside us. And I think that's key too. Children's ministry, here's my plug. Yeah, yeah. Children's ministry is the best place for the family to serve together. There's nothing like kids watching their dad get in a circle with preschool kids and share the gospel. Yeah. That changes your family dynamic. Wow. We used to put my son, who was rascally, we would give him the the hard, like rowdy oh, preschoolers. Yeah. We're like, hey, you see Johnny? Johnny needs a buddy. Oh, and that's Ethan perfect. learned leadership and he learned how to navigate hard Yeah, and channel some yeah. of that the right direction. That's right. Oh, and so, so um cool. he could identify his own rowdiness in other children that he had to serve. And boy, you have to be authentic around kids. Yeah. Like Oh, they'll see right through. Oh you. man, they yeah. sniff it out. Any yeah. anything fake, they like. <laughs> right. You know, so you've got to know Jesus to be able to give Jesus away. So it's a perfect place for families to um, develop their children's faith. Is by so how would a family if anybody's listening that is like I'm all in you've oh sold gosh. me I want to be yes. involved in kids ministry do they talk just... to me yeah okay. come and talk right. to me and I know Julie has the same heart um, down at Eagle Naz you know yeah. that anybody that is that gets it it's yeah. really cool because there's so many families that serve at Rock Harbor together and they just get oh, it oh I love that. they just get it and their kids love it you know yeah. and so I feel like that's part of my enablement right now to be to do full time ministry is Curtis is all in. He supports uh, and yeah. enables me to do what I do. Yeah. Ellie leads a small group every single week. Oh, I love that. You know, Gavin is serving when he serves with setup and, you know, whenever he can, he's jumping yeah. in and they just know the joy yeah. of that. So, so whatever you do, kids will do. That's and really great. That's you can't expect advice. them though to go. And then that takes the pressure off because oh, you man. really are just enveloping yeah. them in a lifestyle. Exactly. And finding mm-hmm. joy in that lifestyle. And you're so mm-hmm. good at, at reminding people of what it's all about and the mm-hmm. purpose in it and what God's doing in it. You're just so good at speaking that. I bet that comes out in your home too, where you're just mm-hmm. like, look at what God's doing. And mm-hmm. when you're surrounding them in that environment. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. Okay. Then you mentioned your husband. Let's just tell yeah. like, he's so fun, funny. Yeah. He has to bring so much just joy and levity to your life and crazy. Yes. And so what's a favorite? Let's just Oh, We're going to ratchet you out for a little bit, Curtis. What's a favorite Curtis moment or story? Well, Julie, it is daily. Yesterday, I get this text of him, and the text said, hey, it's school. I forgot it's school picture day. Uh-huh. Well, he's a school principal. He's a principal at an elementary school. And I've already told you he's 6'5", <laughs> and he has this big old Idahoan hipster beard. I think he's trying to be hipster, but, you know, so he's just this big presence. And right. you can imagine at an elementary And big school, personality. Oh, he's yeah. He's just so fun. Yeah. So fun. So he texts me, you know, I forgot it's school picture day. So immediately, like, I'm scanning, like, oh, my gosh, what did he wear today? And what's his beard look like? Has it been trimmed lately? Right. You know, just all the, these things. All yeah. those things. So then I get this picture of him with the cheesiest grin and a button-up dress shirt and this tie, red and white striped clip-on tie. (laughs) The tie is like four to six inches. It barely covers like the first three buttons of his shirt. And then he's like puffing his chest out. So it's just the most comical. He is owning that kindergarten tie like a boss. Yeah, and I'm thinking, what child did he just steal this clip-on tie off of? You know, and how random for the kid, like you know, Mr. Anderson is like, can I have your tie? Totally, totally. But this is just like his everyday. So fantastic. You know, this is his everyday. He's just a party and always fun, but. 
You know? That's hilarious. I'm going to post that on the blog just for anybody listening. I'm going to post the picture of him okay, and his do little it. teeny tiny Good. baby tie yes. and his big 6'5 oh, frame. Man. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> one like, for the books. I'm, I'm owning this. That's this right. is the way I'm choosing to oh. dress right now. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, so fun. That's yeah. the best. I, do your kids just love that or do they kind of, like you have teenagers, do oh, they man. embrace this about well, him? Well, some of our best stories are walking, you know, when kids were giving him attitude or something you know he would he has no shame so he would yeah. just stand in the the store in the line and say to our 16 year old you know hey you know really loudly in the store uh, you know you're not going to get a treat when we get home if you sass me like that well of course they're like completely mortified <laughs> it's like reverse they're not even doing anything no reverse <laughs> embarrassment you know or oh you know the gosh. line that he loves to say is I've changed your. I changed your diapers for so many years that boy, I can't wait till you get to change mine. Oh, you know, and my kids are oh, just. Oh, and they're like, like, oh no, I, no, 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 just no. They, I yeah, don't want to yeah. think about that. Yeah. And, oh, that's so. This so is funny. like the vibe. You know, this is like my everyday life. <laughs> that's which fantastic. Is really are any of them like that? Yeah, my kids are super funny. Yeah. All of them are super funny. That's the best. You know? And they, yeah, they're just. Yeah, That's all of them so have great. an amazing sense of humor, and so um, they can they can roll, they can totally. hang with this. totally. Yeah. It, nothing phases them. They kind of learned <laughs> like the more embarrassed I act, the the yeah. bigger and the louder he's going to get. So oh. we're just going to pretend like it doesn't phase us. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, you got to join yeah. in if you're getting, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, we, we probably, I could talk to you all day, but we probably do need to start wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. But as again, the point of the podcast is to do exactly what you've been talking about. Let's just, let's just show up to our life and mm-hmm. live in our purpose. What mm-hmm. encouragement or advice do you have for anybody listening that might feel like that is some elusive concept? Cause mm-hmm. I remember I spent a lot of my life wondering if I'd missed it. Yeah. Did I miss it? Did I miss what God had mm-hmm. for me? Am I going to just accidentally not notice that I was supposed mm-hmm. to be doing something and therefore I, he's moved on to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I had a lot of anxiety around that, a lot of kind of begging mm-hmm. and pleading with him to just reveal his purpose in my life and what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it has to be so complicated. So yeah. what advice do you have about that? Yeah, I think that... Um, I have lived there too, exactly what you're describing. And, you know, as I talked about some of the ambition, I've had to lay down and I really am finally getting the point that we are called to an adventure Mm. and we buy into the lie of the mundane sometimes, or we try to manufacture this pseudo complexity and, you know, social media kind of exasperates exacerbates it because it, you know, everybody else looks like their life is just over the top amazing. Well, I've learned from my own heart that when things get really complex, then they need to get really simple. And the more simple things get where I'm just simply rooted in the love of God and I'm simply waking up and asking him, God, what is it today? What's the adventure you have for me? And that childlike, I have the privilege of working with children. And so I I encounter the childlikeness of just, I want to go back to the place where I'm praying for the red van and believing it's going to come around the corner because so much of that, that is simplicity. We, I feel like the joy is the joy and the um, peace is sometimes just zap sapped out of us because we're either striving or things are super complex and we're trying to unravel them, or we're completely debilitated by fear. 
And so when you put the antidote of love and abiding in his perfect love in a simple, pure, childlike form, then that other stuff is canceled. And I hope that as I continue to age, that my life will become even more simple. You know, like simplicity is the goal for me of just God is love. And that's enough, and yeah. and staying in that place, which is really actually challenging. Yeah, no kidding. Because we want—I don't know why—but we want to complicate it, and yeah. we do complicate it so much. I was complicating it by overanalyzing for crying out loud, and being this place of fear that I was just going to somehow accidentally miss it, even though I was yeah. looking for it, which is so contrary to everything that he says about himself. You know, well, and church people are the worst at it because. We put religious rules on people and yokes that, you know, God, the gospels talk about that are burdens that people are not meant to bear, you know, and a lot of that comes out of religious striving, which a lot of us are walking through getting free from legalism and rules and ideas that Christ never set up for us. I love that you're saying, let's just wake up every day, open our hearts as wide as we can to receive God's love and then Mm -hmm. ask him for ways that we can then pour Mm -hmm. that back out. That's Mm -hmm. so great. That's so great. Well, this has been so fun. I'm so glad that you came. I just love you. I am so, it's such a privilege to have you sitting here and sharing your story. And I just love God's hand from such a young age and how he just wove all the pieces together and brought you here and and the incredible work that you're doing with kids. Yeah, well, I feel like it's such a privilege to know you and Michael and your boys and just um, God's good, how he, he, you know, gives us our people right at the time when we need them. And and, um, yeah, just inspired to be here and so honored. Thank you. And I'm honored to have you. And thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christine as much as I did. It's so inspiring and faith-building for me to hear the amazing ways that God showed up in their journey as their Jehovah Jireh, their provider. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to visit me over at the blog at julieturnermusic.com to start up a conversation. I'd love to hear what Christine got you thinking about. Or you can email me at info at julieturnermusic.com. And be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes to make sure you catch each of these amazing stories. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Made for This podcast.